The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. When I mention the fact that everybody is going to appear before God and give account for their lives, as if I wasn't teaching from the Bible. So I'm definitely going to do a series on judgment. Because it's amazing. It's amazing what people know and don't know these days. I mean, people were shocked when I said God gives us challenges. So we've been looking at that. We started by, let me just quickly do a brief recap. Um, we, are, we are supposed to be unstoppable people like God is. He has raised us up to be in, with heavenly places with him. Many of the things we are grappling with, we are not supposed to be grappling with them. So we ask the question, who is stopping you or what is stopping you? And more appropriately, who are you allowing to stop you? Because in the final analysis, if anyone or anything stops you, it's your fault. Why could we not cast out the devil? The disciples asked Jesus. He said, it's because of your unbelief. You allowed unbelief in your heart. You are not supposed to allow unbelief in your heart. We are not saying there are no devils and it won't try you. But the devil doesn't have power over you. Jesus has defeated Satan for you and he has put him under your feet. Why someone that has been defeated on your behalf is stopping you? You are the only one that can answer that question. People are not your problem. The kind of authority and power and wisdom and grace that God has given you, human beings should not be able to stop you. Glory be to God. So we narrowed things down to the fact that the way God designed us and designed life, if we are going to live the life that God has called us to live, we are going to face some challenges. Those are what we mean by God challenges. We are not saying God is going to put sickness on you or good put poverty on you. No, that's what we are talking about. Those are the works of the devil. But just by being who God called you to be and living the life God has called you to live, particularly in this fallen world that we are in, there will be some challenges that come your way. And those are the kind of challenges you'll be using most of your faith to overcome. I call them mock exam. If you will do the mock exam God has given you well and pass it, when you go for the exams of life, you will pass in flying colors. Because I guarantee you God is the best teacher there is. If you will just sit down and focus your time, your energy, your effort spiritually, your prayer life, your studying of God's word, your believing of God's word, the building of your faith, to these things, we are, we are looking at five of them. I've talked on three of them already. And we are looking at the example of Adam in the Garden of Eden. Adam was created to be unstoppable, the first Adam. But yet, Satan was able to trip him and stop him. And God now needed to come in the form of man as the last Adam. And Satan could not stop Jesus. Where did Adam miss it? Where did Jesus get it? That's what we are studying here. Glory be to God. Let me start with this scripture. I saw this scripture today. It was just beautiful. Hebrews chapter 6. or continue with this scripture. As I'm still summarizing. Hebrews 6 verses 1 and 2. And I want you to see what the Bible calls what we are teaching here. These are fundamentals of Christianity. Christians should not be shocked when they hear statements like this. Christians should not be shocked or afraid when they hear that God is a judge. 
and that the one day they are going to stand before judge and we judge them. You shouldn't be afraid. Did you see government money? You shouldn't. First of all, the judge is your father. <laughs> Amen. I mean, even if they caught you robbing a bank and they now brought you to court and you enter the courtroom and ah, it's even my father that is on, you will smile. Even if he's going to sentence me to prison because at least he won't give me death penalty. And even if he, they, will, they will just show me smile, it's my father. So you, you, you I mean, and there were that second service particularly, the air just evaporated from the room. And this is King's word. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Amen. Hebrews 6. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles. That's what he called them. Elementary principles of Christ. And he went on to list some of them. Let us go on to perfection. Not laying again on the foundation. That's what your elementary principles foundation. And what are they? Repentance from dead works. These are elementary principles. And once you get born again, you should turn away from dead works and of what we are teaching, faith towards God. That's where your faith should begin, towards God. That's what you should be using, Pareto principle, borrowed. 80% of your faith, not towards devil. Not towards men, faith towards God. Then he listed some other things, doctrines of baptisms, elementary principle. And you notice his baptisms with plural S, there are different kinds of baptism. There's water baptism, there's spirit baptism. Laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead, eternal judgment. These are elementary principles. We should not be shaking when we hear them or confused when we hear them. They are elementary principles. They are not even the deep stuff. So please, don't let anybody tell you what we are talking about here is deep. No. Somebody may be shallow. What we are talking about, elementary, talk to me, foundational truths. So the first thing we said, the first challenge that comes to us from God is the way God made us. Spirits that live in bodies. Heavenly beings having earthly experiences. There will always be a friction. And a lot of people haven't yet even accepted the way God made them. I said something humorous when I talked about this some weeks ago. I don't know whether you thought about it. Both the Christian that doesn't accept that he's a spirit and is a son of God, in other words, denying his creation, and the person that claims he's gay or is homosexual and that's the way God made him, they have the same problem. Both of them are rejecting the creation of God. You may not get it immediately, but maybe after a while you'll get it. It's the same thing. You're still denying who God created you to be. Psalm 82. Let me close this part of that with that section. We've not really read the scripture. Everybody should go and read Psalm 82. And Jesus quoted this scripture to them one day when they were arguing with him. When he told them, I'm the son of God. You see, the way Jesus overcame is he knew who he was. And they were angry with him. You, you're a man. How can you say you're a son of God? He said, ah, what are you talking about? Isn't it written in your law that you are God? It was quoting Psalm 82 to them. Psalm 82 verse 6. I said you are God. Somebody say I am a God. Now notice that's a small g. Before you start being like Satan that you ascend your throne above the most high God. No, that's not what we are teaching. But you are made in God's image and likeness. All men are God. 
Unfortunately, not all men know it and not all men accept it. And not all men exercise their faith towards it. And this is a challenge for you and I. To believe that you are God or you are a God. To think like a God. To live like a God. To act like a God. Particularly because you are living in a flesh body. I said you are God's all of you. Somebody say all of us. Are children of the most high God. But look at where problems arise for us. Verse 7. But you shall die like men or mere men or fall like one of the princes because you don't know it. I will read a few verses that that you don't know it. You don't know it. You don't believe it. You've not exercised your faith. Mock example. See, when you sit in this mock exam and accept the way God made you and believe it and confess it and grow in it, there are certain challenges Satan will throw your way that it won't even touch you because you have gone beyond that level. There are certain problems men will bring your way. You won't even smell it. You've gone beyond that level. But when you don't, problems rise. Look at verse 3 of the same. Look at what gods are supposed to be doing. And this is what men that know who they are. This is what they are doing. Defend the poor and the fatherless. When you are fasting, God said that in Isaiah 58. That's what fasting is. Real fasting is defending the poor and the fatherless. Looking for somebody's burden that you can lift. Looking for somebody you can give a, a cup of water. This is what gods are supposed to be doing. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. <laughs> That's that word, justice and judgment again. Deliver the poor and the needy. Verse 4. I'm still reading Isaiah, I mean, Psalm 82. Free them from the hand of the wicked. Verse 5. They do not know. And please, this is why we are teaching it. Many people don't know. Many Christians don't know. You may even be here and you don't know this thing. I remember when I first started hearing this things. I'm a spirit. They never told me I was a spirit. Now, I had a choice to make when I had this revelation. To believe it and change the way I was living. To start thinking like that. Talking like that. Living like that. Or to ignore it. And all of us have to make that choice. And how your life becomes after that will depend on the choice you make. They don't know. The men that are like God don't know, nor do they understand. They walk on in darkness. Somebody say to Fiapa. Okay, not me. Say not me now. You want to walk in darkness? Shout not me. All the foundation of the earth are unstable. When men don't act like God. Look at verse 8. Let me just quickly wrap this up here. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit the nations. You will see all that is capital G there. Well, I was looking at it and God just opened my eyes. It also applies to us. And it's actually an instruction to you and I. Arise, O God, you. Begin to judge the earth. What he told you to do in verses 3 to 5 or 3 and 4. Because you are the heir of the nations. So we need to use our faith in this regard. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus knew who he was. He kept telling everybody, even when they wanted to kill him, no, I'm the son of God. And that's how he overcame. Surrender to it, accept it, live by it, renew your mind to it. Don't continue living like a mere man. God did not make you a mere man. Can I hear a loud amen? Number two thing we looked at that Adam had challenges with or that God gave Adam as a challenge and by implication all of us 
is that God makes us with weaknesses. Even though he makes us in his image and his likeness, there's none of us that is perfect. And we said that means we need help. You need help on two levels. You need human help. So God brought Eve to Adam. And then you need divine help, Holy Spirit. And you must know where to draw the line of human help. Men are not supposed to take the place of God. God created you to depend on men. And you have to depend on men. Even Jesus, when he came, had to rely on men. A woman had to give back to him. She had to nurse him. He didn't say, ah, you are, I'm God, so I, I don't need anybody to breastfeed me. No, somebody has to breastfeed you. He had to learn at the feet of doctors. That's how God made us. And God did that so that we can be humble. Before it gets into your head that you're a God and you don't think you need anybody, no. Humble. So we need faith for humility. Glory be to God. That's how Jesus overcame. Philippians chapter 2, 5 to 9. He humbled himself. When the Bible said, he, when he took up flesh, what he did was he humbled himself. Because by taking up flesh, the glory and the majesty he had as a God has been diminished as one of the Godhead. When your weaknesses stare you in the face, don't try to use Agidi to cover it up. Those are insecure people. Don't try to act as if you are all that plus a bag of chips, as if you have no weaknesses. No, we know you have weaknesses. You can use all the perfume you want, or the mascara you want, or wear all the pretty suits you want, or quote all the English you want, all the funnel you want. We know you are not perfect. So the earlier you know it, the better for yourself. And the response of faith is humility. And know that you need people. And most importantly, know that you need the Holy Spirit. We left off with this yesterday. God gave him a task or an assignment or a ministry. Like God has given each and every one of us a ministry. There is no human being, particularly a born-again Christian, who does not have a ministry from God. Ephesians 2.10. And that creates challenges for us. We looked at different people in scriptures that because of God's call on their life, God's assignment for their life, not just Adam, whether it's Mary, the son of um, the mother of Jesus, I'm talking about, or Elizabeth and um, Zechariah, or Apostle Paul. Because of the assignment, certain challenges came, which they had to use their faith to overcome. So, first of all, you even need faith to discover your ministry and to commit to your ministry. Remember 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 21. Let me tell you one ministry all of us has because we're emphasizing that in church this month and next month. From verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 18. The old text is really from verse 17. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. But I want to start reading from verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. But not only has he reconciled us, what has he also done? He has given us what? The ministry of all of us. Now, how many of you know that doing soul winning comes with challenges? Have you tried it before? Have you seen the challenges? From the people that don't want you to talk to them, for the ones that will abuse you, plus the ones that will say, I will come and will not come. <laughs> that we end up discouraging you. <laughs> you have to use your faith to overcome all those things and do the ministry. You know, many Christians are not involved in soul winning. Why don't they do it? Because it has challenges. Not from the devil, no. 
God knew there would be challenges when he gave you that ministry. God told that apostle Paul, tell him the things he's going to suffer. And let me tell you the truth, it's not only Paul that will suffer for God, it's all of us. Read Romans chapter 8. He said that. That ah, we are all heirs of God, but said, and we will be glorified with him if we suffer with him. Doing the work of God will bring you challenges. I wish I had time. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, from verses 1 to 10. Paul listed all the Yahweh. You know, challenges is a small word. Yahweh was going through in his ministry. I think Yahweh is more powerful. Am I right or am I right? Okay. Challenges if you prefer one. He listed it again in 2 Corinthians 11, 22 to 33. And how we use faith to overcome them. And these things come to us simply because God has given us ministry. Of course, Satan will try to exploit that. But hear what we are teaching. When you, by faith, accept that you have a calling from God, devote your life to discovering that calling. I love something. I think it was Pastor that put up that post. Was it this week or last week? I loved it. He said the first words that came out recorded of Jesus in the Bible was that, why are you looking for me? When is people are looking for him? Don't you know I should be about my father's business? That's what life is supposed to be for. Doing your father's business. And his last words was, it is finished. What did he finish? The father's business. And that's what we should be using our faith for. You are in this place today. You've not yet zeroed in God's plan or purpose or mission for your life. That's, that should be on top of your faith agenda. Not the Gucci bag you want to wear. Nothing wrong with believing God for the Gucci bag. In fact, let me give you the way to get the Gucci bag. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Use your face forth. God, what is my assignment? I don't know. Use your faith for ministry of reconciliation. God, let me, this, this season that we have been, let me bring three people to church and establish them. That's what you'll be praying about. That's your mock faith. That, you see, if you build faith for that, and you know how to use your faith for that, all these small, small things Satan is using to discourage you, you, you it will be an egg. So you've not passed the mock exam of using your faith for ministry of reconciliation. Use 80% of your faith development and growth for God. And just to keep Satan busy till his time is up. And just be using 5%. That's what we are teaching here. Because there's no way you are going to do ministry of reconciliation that there will be no challenges. And it's God that gave us ministry of reconciliation, not the devil. Can I hear a loud amen? We talked about how you can do that. Like Jesus did. Number four. Hallelujah. God gave Adam a test. In fact, I've used names for these things now. There is using your faith for God's creation. That's the first one. Number two, using your faith for God dependency. God designed it that you will depend on men and you will depend on him. There's using your faith for God's mission. See, that's what you should be using faith for most of the time. The way God created me. Do I really believe I'm a spirit? Do I really believe I'm a God? Do I really believe I'm an heir of God? A joint heir with Christ. And you, you can't believe those things without building faith for it. But the good news is once you can develop faith to overcome all the challenges that come with these things, for all the other things, it will be a walk in the park. How many of you have walked into an exam that you are well prepared for? And as you are seeing the questions, I've passed this one. In fact, I've even done this question before. 
That's what will happen to you in everyday life when you do this thing. I'm telling you the truth. When you build faith for God's mission and live by faith for God's mission, you build faith for God's creation and live by faith for God's creation, live like a God. When you build faith and use your faith for God's dependency, you're not a proud person. Your weaknesses humble you before God, not that they make you ashamed and you're trying to hide and camouflage that you have weaknesses, which we all know you have. I'll be Pastor Susan. So what's your problem? But you see, it takes faith to accept that. Habakkuk 2, 1 to 4 talks about that. But you see, if you write those tests and live by faith in those dimensions, I mean, you just, ah, I've done this one before now. You wake up one morning, symptoms of sickness come to I'm telling you the life some of us live now. You just caught by the stripes of Jesus and healed. One day, two days after, the thing just wash away. Because we are using faith for what is important. Faith towards God. Foundational truth. Faith towards God. Not faith towards devil. Not faith towards men. Faith towards God. And these are the things. Some of them at least. Number four. God will give you tests. Genesis 2. Let's look at Adam's story. And please watch this. The test comes in forms of commandments and instructions. And you will need faith to obey those commandments and obey those instructions. The Lord planted a garden eastward of Eden. Genesis 2 reading from verse 8. And there he put the man he had formed. Verse 9, and out of the ground the Lord gave, the Lord made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. Watch the test. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice it wasn't the devil that planted the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Who planted the tree, somebody? And look at what God now told him, verse 16. And the Lord commanded the man. Adam, saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, including the tree of life, and every other tree. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That was Adam's test. And you know what happened? He failed it in grand style. And the world never remained the same again. This happens to all men. All of us have commandments from God. Instructions from God. In fact, look at the way 1 John, you see, we, we, we quote 1 John 5, 4. But look at what 1 John 5, I've, I've, I've taught this over and over again. I, I pray someone's eyes sees it again. 1 John chapter 5, let's read from verse 2. By this we know we love the children of God. I'm coming back to that. Remember the writer of this teaching is the dynamic mysteries of faith and love. Faith works by love. I'm coming back to that in a minute. By this we know we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. Somebody say keep his commandments. I can't hear you. Keep his commandments. For this is the love of God. That we keep his commandments. Say it again. Keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For, in other words, I'm continuing the same train of thought. I'm still talking about what I'm talking about from verse 2 and verse 3. Keeping God's commandments. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We pick verse 4 as if it's on its own. It's not on its own. In fact, what he's telling you is this. 
Faith is about overcoming the challenges of the world that are trying to get you not to keep God's commandments. That's what faith is. Overcoming the challenges the world will throw at you. Overcoming the thoughts that your wife give you to go and eat of the fruit that God told you not to eat. If you overcome that challenge, you are in faith. If you don't, you are not in faith. That's what faith is. There's a concept in the Bible called the obedience of faith. Paul referred it a few times to it a few times in his letters. Somebody said the obedience of faith. You see it in texts like Romans chapter 8. I mean Romans chapter 1 verse 5. Through him, talking about Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. Among all nations in his name. It's a concept all through scriptures. There are a few verses that put it together like that. Obedience to the faith. And they're talking about obedience of faith. In other words, listen to this very carefully. Faith is obedience. By the time you study it very closely, faith equals obedience. Or let me say it this way. When you are in obedience to God's commandments, you are in faith. When you are not in obedience to God's commandments, you are not in faith. So God tested Abraham. Genesis 22. And it was when Abraham passed that test that God sealed it forever. This man is the father of faith. Oh, God had been giving him some other ones before. He failed one test that time that his wife. Hey, the wives. The wife crashed the world in Genesis. Well, really and truly, it's not the wife. That's what the man said. It was really the man. But he allowed his wife to crash the world. Adam always almost allowed Sarah to destroy his covenant with God. When Sarah came and said, let's have Ishmael. And for 13 years, he didn't hear fame from God again. Then God came back. And but this time, he had learned his lesson. He didn't tell her this time. Or the Bible did not record that he told her. Let me stay with what I know. <laughs> the Bible. Maybe she would have said, eh, my son. And while he was sleeping, she will carry the son and run away. The only heir. Maybe you, I don't know. Genesis 22 from verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that, the, that God tested Abraham. I've said this to you once. I will say it to you again. You are either right now writing a test from God or by this time tomorrow you'll be writing one. You better prepare for it. And you prepare by faith. Abraham had prepared this time. This time Abraham was ready. God said, Abraham, Abraham answered, here I am. Some people, God talked to them for two weeks, no response. Two months, no response. God has been talking to them for two years. They have not moved. He was, here I am. Take now your son, verse 2, your only son Isaac, before you swap it with Ishmael. You know he had two sons. But God said, your son. He will have said, hey, okay, maybe it's Ishmael God meant you know when God told you to give one million that you gave hundred thousand? Don't move too much. The one I'm talking about you. 
People don't know these things are tests. God didn't say, Abraham, I want to test you. Hello? The first one, what happened? God promised him you have a child. When the thing now looked as if it was taking long, a test, Sarah now came, let's do Ishmael. And Abraham allowed. I mean, agreed. And he missed God for over a decade. Nobody here will miss God in Jesus' name. Take now your son whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering. The instruction was crazy. Sometimes God will give you crazy instructions. On the mountain that I will tell you. You read the whole story. It took him three days. Plenty time to change his mind. Hazardous journey. He had to climb a mountain. He's not coming to King's World to drop a check. Test. And when God saw that in his heart, he had killed that boy, God spoke out. And the same promise, read the promise that God declared over him in Genesis 22. The same thing God said in Genesis 12. But this time there was a seal of finality on it. He had passed the test. Glory be to God. And this is how we did it. Hebrews 11 tells us. Hebrews 11, 17, by faith. By faith. That's how you pass this test. So you should be building faith. Like Abraham. Sometimes the best way to even pass these exams is the last failure you had. May we learn to learn from the mistakes of our past. You know one of the saddest things in life? That you are making the same mistakes over and over again. Have you not learned? May we learn from the mistakes of the past. May the Holy Ghost be able to give us 2020 vision. Five years ago, Pastor T, you made this mistake. And that's why these things happened. I hope you've learned your lesson. Because the test, you are going to write the exam again. There is going to be a test of obedience again. He had learned from that error that he and Sarah committed. By faith, Hebrews eleven seventeen, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Glory, glory be to God. Somebody say, I'm writing a test. Or I'm going to write a test from God. Please, I'm, what we are dealing with here are things that come from God. No, there's no devil here. That's a big part of what we are teaching in this series. Stop thinking every challenge, even including barrenness. Go and read about Elizabeth and Zechariah. Don't automatically think it's the devil, even including imprisonment. That's what I said of Jacob, I mean Joseph, until the time of his word came, until his time came, the word of the Lord tried him. He was imprisoned. And stop, even including Apostle Paul. Many members of Paul's church left his church. Read his epistles. If I said, all you nation have forsaken me. If they lock me up, they won't lock me up in Jesus' name. Do you know many people won't come to this church next Sunday? Don't move too much. They won't. I'm talking about you. See, that's what we've been saying. That's what we've been saying. I knew it. The way he's always shouting. That's what we've been saying. I mean, all those kind of, they left him. They left him. Nobody knew that God allowed it so that he could write the Bible. Even Paul did not know. But thank God he obeyed. And like we said last week, he took that shame, that weakness as his badge of honor. I'm now the prisoner of Christ. That you can only do that by faith. By faith. 
like this man here. Try sacrificing your son, your only son. You know, police will first arrest you for murder. <laughs> Today, nobody should go and sacrifice their son out of this teaching. No, <laughs> that's not my point. Let, let's learn a thing or two from the wilderness church here as I close on this point. See that text we are reading, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. One of the main texts we, we established when we said this teaching that no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13. It was concluding an analogy about the wilderness church. He said, I want you guys to remember about the church in the wilderness. All the miracles they saw, all the signs and wonders they saw, water came out of the rock, a pillar of cloud followed them by day, a pillar of fire followed them by night, and all that, that Jesus was moving with them. They had water and all that in the wilderness. But verse 5 said, For with, but with many of them, God was not pleased. Why? They were not in faith. Because it takes faith to please God. Classic example, the ten spies that went into the um, land of Canaan. We are not able to take the land. Why? There are giants in the land. Uh-uh. So, I, I'm going to read from here. That was their test. God purposely left the giants in the land. In fact, God said, I will not wipe all of them out. Because if I wipe all of them out, the beasts in the wilderness will come and overtake you. So, I will wipe them out little by little. But go and, go and fight them. It was a test of faith, but they failed the test. And the wilderness church is a picture of the New Testament church. God has gone ahead of us and finished things for us in Christ Jesus. We now have to work out the experience day by day. You won't get everything the first day you get born again. You won't get it the first year, the first ten years. You are walking as it were through a wilderness. Onto your land of milk and honey. And on that journey there will be tests. God tests. And you need faith to be prepared for it. Because you will see giants on your way. Giants that are defying the healing that God has promised you and finished for you in Christ Jesus. That's what he was teaching us here. Verse 12, he said, let him that thinks he stands, let him take heed to what I am teaching here, lest he falls. Because like the gospel was preached to them, Hebrews chapter 4 talks about that, it was also preached to us, but they did not mix faith with what they had. And this is where we need to build faith. For the test that God will allow to come our way. Deuteronomy chapter 8 from verse 1. A lesson from the wilderness church. You can read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 1 to 13 again when you get home. God speaking to them through Moses. Deuteronomy 8 and 1. Every commandment which I command you. You see, this is how the test of God comes. They will come in commandments. They will come with instructions. Start coming for midweek service. They will come with command. And your response tells God where you are. Whether you are ready to be the father of nations sealed or not. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe them. That you may live and multiply. Ah, I wanted to, Let me go because of time. So sweet. And go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Please watch this next few words carefully. To humble you and to test you. 
God will humble you. God dependency. We talked about that already. And then he will test you to know what is in your heart. Not that God doesn't know what's in your heart, but for you to know what is in your heart. Adam, where Adam? Is it that God didn't know where he was? I'm just going to ask this question. I don't have time to do it today. Did God know Adam was going to eat that fruit? Do you think it was CNN that broke the news to Adam? Hey, hey, hey Adam has seen the fruit. And God said, hey, what happened? Hey, we didn't plan for it. No, God knew he was going to eat the fruit. For you, it's really for you to know what is in your heart. Many of us think we are okay and we are not. So the exam will show your true color. Have you filled an exam you thought you could pass before? Uh-huh. For you to know what is in your heart. Sir, you didn't read well. <laughs> you didn't read well. <laughs> oh, glory be to God. But so that you can be better. To know what is in your heart, whether you will keep his commandments or not. Verse 16, Deuteronomy 8. He fed you in the denarius with manna. He could have sent you shawarma. Okay, you don't like shawarma. Or lobster. Okay, you don't like lobster. What do you like? Prawn. Or, or um, burger. Or steak. That's what I was thinking. I saw that in my spirit. With, with what's that sauce? Which sauce do you like? On steak? He could have made it for you. But we give you manna. Like minister... Nana was saying, and you must not pack for tomorrow. You see, we are testing you. Don't just for today. But some people in their hearts, God does your own. Know. I will take today's own. I will take tomorrow's. Next week, Papa. Because we don't know you, God, or you may go disappear now. <laughs> I will come to that. <laughs> he fed you in that way with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might what? Humble you. And that he might what? To do you good. Always keep that in mind. Hallelujah. Sometimes the test comes like God giving you, go and take the mountain. Go and fight the giants. Deuteronomy chapter 2. Again, learning from the witness church. Oh, this is a very interesting story. Verse 24, Deuteronomy chapter 2. Rise. Take your journey. Cross the river Anon. Look, watch this. Oh, God, interesting guy. God, I'm not, I'm just trying to communicate something. Interesting. <laughs> Inter- I mean, how, how, how do you talk like this? It's not just, this is God's nature. I have given into your hand. Not I will give. I have what? Given into your hand. See on the Amorite, king of Eshbron, and his land. Begin to possess it. And engage. Ah, I thought you said you have given it to me. Why do I still have to fight? Exam has come. I thought the devil is defeated. Why do I have resistance? That is the test. We are giving you the victory, but begin to engage. And we will test whether you believe when I told you we are giving you the victory by the way you engage. I have given you the land, but fight the guy. Ah, I, I'm confused. Have you given us the victory? Or you are going to give us the victory. You will pen there if you don't understand the way God talks. That is how he talks. And it's only a test. Verse 25. This day, I will begin to put the dread and the fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven. Who will hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. 
when the Israelites finally got to Jericho, remember what Rehab the Lord told them? Our hearts, when we heard of what your God did for Pharaoh, and this is the same people that the spies were saying they are giants in the land. We are like grasshopper in their sight. We cannot take the land. And they were afraid. Test. Caleb and Joshua passed the test. So. But an entire generation failed it. And that was the lesson in first Corinthians. That's what that statement, no temptation has befallen you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. But with every temptation, which sometimes comes from him, like put fear in your enemy, he won't, they won't look like they're afraid, but he's telling you, I, you now go and fight them. So you come to the battlefront like David. And you speak faith to the Goliath. And you don't do like Saul and his soldiers, cowering because the giant is making noise. They all test. Hallelujah. Please track, catch this as I close here. This is a big, big, big part of what's at the heart of the statement faith works by love. This truth I'm sharing here. In fact, this is what this entire series premises on. That's what is at the heart of it. And what are we saying when we say faith works by love? If you don't believe that God loves you, you will find it difficult to obey his commandments. And if you don't obey his commandments or you are not obeying his commandments, you are not in faith. Why would a David know that he can stand before a Goliath or a Joshua know that he can stand before the giants and take the land? Because they know God loves them and God has their back. Why would the other people be afraid? They don't know that God loves them. That's why they are packing extra manner. As if you can take care of yourself. They don't know yet. And to know God's love, Reverend Kat has been teaching us that for like five years now. You know these things I'm teaching you on Sunday about 30 years. This Reverend Case Patano, God will give him one message and he will stay on it for five years. That God loves you. It takes faith to believe that. That's what your faith should be doing. Or that's what you should be using your faith for. To be so absolutely, completely, totally convinced that God loves you that you can stand before any Goliath. Which God will allow to test you so that you can enter your promised land. If you don't believe that love, you will not stand before that Goliath. You will be happy. You think Goliath will kill you. You will think hunger will kill you. So you pack extra manna. You will touch what you should not be touching. Disobeying God's word, though. And when you are in disobedience, you are not in faith. What crashed the entire world? Disobedience. Why did Adam disobey? He loved his wife more than he loved his God. He wasn't absolutely, totally convinced of God's love for him. What saved the entire world? Obedience. Why did Jesus obey? So said in the love of God. So even though they are going to kill me, even though I'm going to suffer, even though I'm going to go to hell for three days and three nights, I trust you, God, that you bring me up again. If he wasn't convinced of God's love, he wouldn't have gone to that cross. If you are not convinced of God's love, come on, come for me, do service. You won't come. You won't come. Ah, let me watch premiership. 
what the entertainment value that we get from Ronaldo is superior to what the love of God will benefit him. You won't come. You won't obey. So, how do we get faith? Watch. We should build our faith in God's love for us. That it will do you good in the end. Did you see that in that text? <laughs> Hallelujah. Deuteronomy what? Um, 8.16. All this test so that, that it will do you good in the end. That's love. When my faith is strong in the love God has for me, to do what God tells me to do, even if it means to go and die on the cross, I will do it. And that's the real or one of the core meanings of faith works by love. Faith comes alive when the revelation of love is clear. What is faith? Obedience. How do you know people in faith? People that know what God told them to do and are doing it. That's faith. Hallelujah. It's a mystery. That's what 1 Timothy 3.19 calls it. 3.9. Holding the mystery. This is the secret of faith. I'm putting in your hands, in your ears, in your eyes, in your heart. If you can accept it, this is the secret of faith. It's obedience. The mystery of faith is obedience. Adam, don't eat the fruit. Adam ate it. It wasn't in faith. Jesus, go and die on the cross. Jesus went. It was in faith. Romans 5.19. So how did the last Adam overcome? How did the first Adam fail? Last Adam overcame. It's, it's all in Romans 5.19. By one man's disobedience, many became sinners. That one man is the first Adam. So also, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. The last Adam there is Jesus. That's it. One was in disobedience, don't eat. One obeyed, go and die. How did Jesus build that faith? Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. From verse 7. Who, talking about Jesus in the days of his flesh. Please watch very carefully. I know I've shared this scripture many times, but let's read it again. When he had offered up sacrifices, when he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him. This is talking about what he was doing in the Garden of Gethsemane. Humbling himself in prayer before going to obey what God told him to do. Because he knew, he believed that God was able to save him from death. And he was hard because of his godly fear. Just know that godly fear. I've been talking about it for two months now. Though he was a son, or he was a son, yet he learned, you have to learn obedience. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Verse 9, and having been perfected, he became the author and it, of eternal salvation to all who do what? Obey him. Faith is obedience. And that's what you should be using your faith for. To know what God wants of you to do. The main commandment in the New Testament is to love. And it's in three dimensions. One, receive the love that God... When your faith is shaken, it's because you've not yet seen clearly that God loves you. That's what Reverend K has been teaching us for almost five years now. Let me give you a heads up, oh, church, listen. He's going to move on to something soon now. I've been working with him for almost 20 years. There was a time the message was purpose. That was when I came into church. I'm going to talk about that in this our series on Sunday. 
Stay on purpose for like five years. You are not an accident. God made you for a reason. You catch it and you move on. When the church moves to another level, you move with the church. God loves you. That's what you should be meditating on. I told you Joyce Mayer's story. And then you love God back. In fact, the way you, that's what he's saying here. Confidence in God's love. There are two major keys to do this. One is obedience, reverence for God. Two, confidence in God's love. What we read in 1 John 2. We know we love God's children. From 1 John 5, sorry, verse 2 and 3. When we love God and keep his commandments, love God back and you love people. Particularly when the revelation of God's love for you sinks in your heart, faith will come alive. When he tells you go and die, you will go and die. I'm telling you the truth. To the degree you have a revelation of that love, don't go and kill yourself on third man and bridging. Let me quickly touch on the last one because our time is up. This is the fifth challenge that the devil had, I mean that Adam had in the garden that all of us have. It's a very subtle one. But when you understand it and you can build faith to deal with it, Man, you are ready for the challenges of life. So two major ways or two major areas you should build your faith. For the fourth one is build faith for obedience. What is God asking me? Start meditating on it, starting with his love for you. Then develop reverence for God. Like Jesus said, and that, that text we read in Hebrews 5, 7 to 9. Reverence for God and the fear of God. Then have confidence in God's love for you. Amen. Genesis 3.1. This is the fifth one. And just give me like, let me say 10 minutes, please. Are you there? Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And you know where the story went from there. What's the fifth challenge that God puts or allows or gives us? God allows Satan access to us. If I was God, I'm not. I will advise him. Don't let Satan near these people. But oh, the depth of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Why, why, why is Satan near us? But God will not stop Satan. God even gives him permission, as it were. The way the Bible wrote this is very interesting. We read it like Satan forced himself on the serpent. That's not what the Bible said. Even that may be what happened. He said the serpent was more cunning than... He was talking, of course, what happened is that Satan took the body of that serpent. But the thing is, God allowed the devil into the garden. Ah, Adam should have visited the devil. We know that one. I'm not disputing that. If I was God, Satan will not, he will be in, what's the farthest planet to earth? Why does he even have access to earth in the first place? Where my creation is, that I know he can tempt, that I know after he tempts him, they will eat this thing. You know, CNN didn't break the news to God, though. The Lamb of God was slain when? Before the foundation of the world. But you see, it's not just a Genesis thing. It's all through scriptures. When the days of Job, look at the conversation Satan and Job had again. Satan came to God. Satan came to God. 
Have you observed my servant Job? God was boasting about Job. Satan said from verse 9 and 10, does Job fear God for nothing? Blah, blah, blah. Verse 12 of Job chapter 1, the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay hand on his person. So he even defined the boundaries of the permission he gave him. We've interpreted this text so many ways. And there may, be necessary, there may not necessarily be the interpretation. Word of faith, they will say, ah, God was just saying, see, it's already in your hand, he's afraid. True. Um, holiness people preach it like Job was very self-righteous. He should have humbled himself. True. All of them, but he gave him permission. Satan reported, have you not made a hedge around him? I've been trying to touch this guy forever. I couldn't touch him. God gave him permission. I want you to teach you something powerful here. Again, I know many of you will be shocked, but please, I'm going to give you like five scriptures. God gives Satan access to us. The earlier you know that, and you build your faith to overcome that challenge, to help you tremendously. And I'll tell you how you can deal with it. God gave Satan um, access to Job. Praise God. It's getting quiet as it was on Sunday. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. I have like three or four scriptures here. The last one will knock you off your feet. So fasten your seatbelt. I'm just going to do them quickly. I'm just going to read the Bible to you. But please, as you read these scriptures, watch the thoughts we are sharing. We are not saying Job was not afraid though. I, I don't doubt that. I'm just saying that God gave him access. We are not saying Job wasn't confessing self-righteousness. I'm not doubting that. But God gave Satan access. The Bible defined Job as a righteous man. In his fear, God still passed him as righteous. Just like you, that you are not perfect, that God calls righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The earlier you learn, you, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, child of God, born again child of God, that like Satan had access to Job, that God allowed, Satan also has access to your life. I used to preach something some months ago. God brought that to my mind. Some people live as if there's no devil. I'm taking that revelation further. I'm telling you, he has access to your life. He has access to your children. <laughs> Look at this one in Ephesians chapter 2. Are you in Ephesians chapter 2? Only three people. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't worry, when you get home, do like the Berean Christians. Go and listen to the message again. I know it may take you a while. <laughs> but just catch the truth we are teaching you. Say that we may God allow Satan access to our lives. Satan access to the garden. And you, Ephesians 2 verse 1, he made alive who are dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that prince of the power of the air? The devil. The spirit who now walks in the sons of disobedience among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the loss of our flesh, through desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Satan has access to the atmosphere of this planet. It's in your TV shows. It's in your Big Brother Nigeria. It's in your pornography movies. He has access. He has access to your mind. And I'm telling you, God allowed it. If I were God, Satan would not have access to anywhere on this planet. But I'm not as wise as God. 
why God allows him to have access to the air and the atmosphere. Oh, God gave devil um, Adam the authority and Adam did not use it. I understand all that. I'm not denying that. But the same God that saved us while we were sinners, when we had not done any righteousness, that as it were, overrode his own law of judgment, can also get set up. And he's going to do it one day. But for now, the devil is here. Like he sneaked into that garden, I'm telling you, he can sneak into your life. And God is not going to say, hey, Satan should not enter past his life. No, that's not how God operates. What God expects for Pastor to have faith that when the enemy comes in like a flood, Pastor knows what to do. But that Satan will not come into your garden. Hey, 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 you better wake up. He's already in your TV set. Turn on Big Brother Nigeria. You will see him live. These people that complain about Brother Nigeria on social media, I don't know what they, Why are you watching it? Don't move too much. The one I'm talking about you. You will watch it and you're not going to start complaining. Hey, they should buy. Hey, why are you watching it? Or whatever it is you watch that is coming from the depths of hell. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Just catch this concept. The devil has access to our world. See, when you know this thing, they will not remind you to pray. I'm telling you. you see, people that don't pray, they don't know Satan has entered their... Okay, I don't want to be using the mouth anymore. Just step. <laughs> the Holy Ghost was telling me that today. Why don't you just use those steps? It's same thing. You don't know. If you wake up at 2 a.m. and you are in arm robbers, bang your door. You've never paid in tongues before. The tongues will come out. When you are where the arm robbers at your door. Sin has access to our world. If our gospel is veiled, these things that we are trying to get people to get born again, look at the reason. It is veiled because to those that are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, who is that guy? The devil. Remember we read earlier that we are gods. He is the God of this age. He has blinded. Who do not believe? Bless the light of the glorious gospel. Who is the image of Christ who shine on their hearts? He is the one blinding the minds of people. that He has access to this world. My question is, why can't God just remove it? In his sovereignty. The same way, because, because the argument is, ah, God gave Adam authority. God didn't ask Adam for permission to save us. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Why did he save us? Because of his love. Why didn't that same love remove the devil? He didn't ask Adam permission to save us now. So, while that argument is true, I'm not, God allowed it. There are things, that, that's where I'm teaching you here. There are certain challenges we face because of the things God allows. One of such things is that the devil in our day and age has access to our world. He has access to our air, our TVs. Our, that's why all these demonic things are there. When you begin to understand that, your prayer life will change. You're building faith for authority. You know the way you deal with the devil is resist the devil. When you know he can't, I mean, the day God showed me this thing, I will tell you one thing the devil is afraid of. After our second miscarriage. Dr. K did not have to preach that I should be taking communion on a hyper level. When God opened my eyes to that thing. No, but when I saw that Satan has access to the pregnancy in my wife's womb, 
First miscarriage, second miscarriage. I will tell you one. When you know the devil has access, you, you will pray. When you know the devil has access to your finances, nobody will teach you to tithe. If people don't know these things, that's why. So the devil is just having free reign. Do you know why I tithe? There's somebody called Devorah. And it's not an Old Testament doctrine. Satan has access to our world. And God allows it. What you do in response is to build faith to that God allowed challenge. That Satan will not access your world. That Satan will not access your children. You are deceiving yourself. How do you deal with your children? You, you better know how to cover them in prayer and teach them the word and train them in the way they should go. But that they will not access Satan. Forget it. Let me even break the news. He has already accessed them. He has already accessed them. He's in the air. <laughs> Look at the most interesting scripture I found that the Holy Spirit brought to my mind on this teaching. <laughs> Last Supper. Somebody say Last Supper. Jesus was about to go to the cross. He instituted Holy Communion. They broke bread. Then he started talking about one of you will betray me tonight. Remember that conversation? Read again what the Bible told us happened though. Let me show you how close Satan is to your life. How close he is. John 13 verse 26. So you know that what happened to Adam was not once or what happened to Job. We, I have always read the book of Job that ah, God never allowed that to happen again. No. No. God did not kill Job's children. Satan did. But God allowed him access. And God is still allowing Satan access still forever until his time is up. What we need is faith to deal with that challenge that God has allowed. Are you in John 13, verse 26? So, John, when Jesus told them, they said, John, ask him who it is. Jesus answered to John, it is he to whom I will give the the piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Jesus Iscariot, fastening your seatbelt to the son of Simon. Verse 27. Now, after the piece of bread, waiting happened. In the Last Supper, after the Holy Communion, Satan was in that meeting, you know, like I know he's here. Not only was he in the meeting, as Jesus, Jesus also. <laughs> See, if they say it was Peter that gave Judas the bread and Satan entered him, I say maybe Peter did not pray. Or Peter did not fast. Or Peter had sinned. It was Jesus that gave him the bread. And when Jesus gave him the bread, what happened? <laughs> I wonder the things we teach. That what is entering people is different from what we are saying. Did Jesus, I mean, that just shows you how close the devil is to us. In that last supper. In that last supper. Read again the story of Apostle Paul's ministry. Apostle Paul was talking about all his challenges. Look how close the devil is to us. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7. Chapter 11, he had described all his challenges. He asked God, God, take it away. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And look at what Paul was saying, the way God now taught him what the problem was. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. You know knowledge pops up. 
Please look at what he's telling us here. A thorn in the flesh was given me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. God allowed the devil to be tormenting his life and his ministry. That's what he's telling you. God gave Satan access. He wanted God to stop the devil. God said, no, I will give you grace. Use faith for my grace. And that's what he thought. Look, there are some challenges. Satan does have access to our world. Please catch what I'm telling you. He has access to our world. That's why when Reverend K tells you to pray Psalm 91, you better open your mouth and pray. That's why when we take communion, you better use your faith. Satan has access to our world. Don't live as if there's no devil in this world. And I'm telling you, God doesn't have a problem with it. In that sense. Praise God. So how did Jesus deal with that? I love this scripture. Let's rise on our feet and close. I've already taken 10 minutes of your time. You need to go and pray out these things I've shared with you over the last one month. Pray. Let's. Some of these things, you just need the Holy Ghost to teach you. I don't think a man can articulate the words. You need to do what the Bible said the Berean Christians did. Go and check that these things are so. In case you didn't take notes, go online and listen to the message again. If you can learn to build your faith towards God in overcoming these things I'm telling you, Many of the things that come to you because of people, and you don't have a choice, you have to live with people. If you want to marry, you have to have a wife, she will not be perfect, or you have to have a husband, they will not be perfect. There are challenges there. If you want to have a business or do a church, you can't do it, you have to work with people. So there will be no problem. And you are living in a world that is devil invested, I mean, infested, devil and demons. But the way to overcome them. If you can build your faith in these things that come to us from God, you'll be fine. John 14, 30, I will no longer work with you for the ruler of this world. Who is he talking about there? Satan has access. If he had access to Jesus' life and ministry, he will have access to us. The prince, the ruler of this world is coming. But watch what he said. And this is where our faith should go. He has nothing on me. Hallelujah. He has nothing on me. In other words, there is nothing he can try. I'm covered by God. And that's where our faith should be. Listen to me. God is not going to stop the devil from coming. But when the enemy comes, like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. Not that the enemy will not come up. Please hear that. Some people live and say, ah, hey, hey, it means you will have. God will not, he is coming, but he has nothing on him. The Bible told us when Jesus said his ministry, the Holy Ghost came upon him and drove him into the wilderness. Did you, I, I didn't put that scripture on my notes. The Bible said, to be tempted of the devil. And we need to learn how did Jesus overcame. How did Jesus overcame? Number one, it is what? Matthew 4, 4, it is written. That's where your faith should be. Your faith should not be the devil will not come. No, your faith should be in what is written. Because the devil will come. And I'm telling you, church, like the devil was able to get into Adam's garden, like the devil was able to get into Job's life, like the devil was able to get into Jesus' last supper, 
and enter his disciples. Hello? And if you really study it, it wasn't only Judas he entered. The unbelief that um, um, Thomas had, it was the devil. The giving up that Peter demonstrated, it was the devil. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as Satan has access to us. He has access to our world. What should we do? It is written. Matthew 4.10 Again, Matthew 4.7 Jesus said to him, it is written again. So, there are some things you are going to have to say three times, four times, hundred times. It is written what? Again. And verse 10, there are some times you have to be very violent. Like Jesus looked at Peter. Get me behind me, Satan. This time, look at what Jesus said. It is written, looks a bit friendly. It is written again, it's okay. Verse 11. I mean, verse 10. Jesus said, away with you, Satan. For it is written. And verse 11 says the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Matthew left something very vital that thank God Luke wrote for us. Look at the way Luke reported it. Luke 4.13. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, those three in that wilderness, that the Holy Ghost led him to, to be tempted of the devil. Look at what the Bible said. He departed from him until what? He will come back. Someone says Satan is like a village goat. You chase him away today, you will come back. I've shared with you about my challenges and deal with pornography. I look back at my life, there have always been times where the day, and it came back more wicked. When internet came, the level of, before when I was there, there was no internet. Satan has access to pornography. I'm a director of operation. He will tempt you to watch pornography. He has access to your mind, to your world. God is not going to stop him. That's the deal. So what do you do? It is written. Did you get that? Yes, Hallelujah. This is what you and I need. Absolute trust and confidence in God. Everybody that Satan came at that overcame him. That's what they had. That's what Job had. Somebody say absolute trust and confidence this is the best scripture I found that describes it. Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You don't find a better statement of faith after Satan has come at you than what Job said. I'm telling you, Job was a type of Christ. That the devil will come and kill you, but God will bring you back up again. Because everything in the Old Testament is about Christ. Hallelujah. Two more minutes. I have just two more scriptures. Because tomorrow we are going to pray. Next tomorrow we are going to pray. And I'm not going to touch faith again next month. We are talking prosperity this month. Please, I know, I know I've taken 20 minutes. Just two more minutes. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Romans 11.33. There's no way we can explain this, you know. Why God will allow Satan access into this world. I just see it as the wisdom of God beyond our comprehension. Left to me, Satan should not even be in our galaxy at all. But God allows it. Maybe it's to build us up or something. This is the last text I have for you. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. 
Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded with so great, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and this, every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us, which come from the devil. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is the key to doing this thing. This life of faith that is unstoppable. How, how shall I do it? Looking unto Jesus. The author and developer. That's what that word finisher means. Perfecter of our faith. And that's why for every of these challenges, I've told you what Jesus did. The challenge of being spiritual and body, made like a God, Jesus knew who he was. Build your faith on that. The challenge of weaknesses, Jesus humbled himself. Build your faith to be humble. The challenge of ministry. Pray that you don't enter temptation. From a child, he knew what God called him to do. Don't you know I should be about one? Build your faith to find God's purpose for your life. The challenge of Satan accessing your world. What should you do? It is written. Build your faith in the love of God. And I believe the fourth one I talked about was what? The challenge of number four that we talked about tonight. The test of God. Because God will test you like he tests everybody else. Obey. Build faith for what? Obedience. Can we lift our hands to God? The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-006-40.